What's up, everyone? It's Spencer here from Scoped Exposure. And Jessa from Damage Control. And together, we make the host of Through Our Lens podcast. And we are putting together the Scoped five-year fest that's happening here in Calgary. This fest is happening August 26th and 27th in the city of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We got a ton of great bands who are playing. Uh, We got a bit of a California takeover with Strife, Tsunami, and Scowl. We've also got I Am joining us from Texas along with Ballista. We've got Karma from Chicago, Change from the Northwest, and a ton of other great supporting acts. Tickets can be bought at www.damagecontrol.store. We've got weekend passes as well as single day offerings up there now. You can also find the ticket link in the description of this podcast as well as either of our socials. This is something we've worked on for a long, long time. Get your tickets now and we'll see you there. And ever since then, I've been like, if I write anything that's even close to that, then I will have made it. Right. Um, I was so fully I w- expecting you to do the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, oh, oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> what killed, killed the, the dinosaurs? dinosaurs? The Ice, the ice Age! <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure Podcast. We go from Calgary down to Orange County, and I'm very excited to be welcoming on a good friend of mine on the podcast, Jay from Take It to Heart. Dude, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, man. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. Me as well. We definitely had, I think we originally had it scheduled on a certain day, and I remember I DM'd you and be like, yo, I'm not in a great headspace, and you're like, yo, same, and then we rescheduled it, and I think the, um, I think that was a good call, because I think I definitely wanted to have a really good conversation with you uh, specifically. Um, you know, just for any uh, of the, giving some context to the listeners, Jay and I met officially at Promcore 2021, where Take to the Heart, um, you know, did two sets during that that weekend of fun. Two. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Um, you know, get your tickets to act like you know. Uh, but that, that being said, you know, I think there was just a lot of time. Death Fest as a whole was just a lot of time of me making a ton of new friends and just like fostering all these really cool relationships. Uh, I was down in, in California for work, uh, you know, earlier this year when we got to link up and have a coffee. And I remember mm-hmm. you pulled out your, your phone and, and was showing me the new EP. And now that that is starting to show its face, uh, I'm really excited to be talking about it officially with you uh, here on the podcast. Same. It's, uh, it's crazy, man. We, we wrote this record. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it in a, in a bit, but I mean, we wrote this record, you know, started writing this record two years ago. Um, mm. and for it to, again, like you said, start showing its face. I'm so excited that it's starting to starting to show up. Absolutely. Uh, but, but before we get into the music chats, um, we got to check some bevs. So, Jay, Jay, before we press record, he was like, I'm double fisting. So I'm really excited. Double fisting some Yerba Mate, man. Okay. So always, always whatever berry red type of flavor we got, but (laughs) Guyaki, Yerba Mate, Revel Berry. That's what I'm sipping on to start. Gotcha. And then we're going to be moving over to the secondary one. Yes. which... Which is the one that I cannot pronounce, but it is 
plant-based energy tea. Oh, um, okay. That, you know, I'm sure somebody out there is going to be like, oh, you white bastard, you can't pronounce it. <laughs> Whatever. I, I've definitely <laughs> seen the regular Yerba Mate, but that one specifically I have not seen. So This is the one that you typically find at, uh, at like convenience stores where you can't find these, but I live around the corner from a Circle K, a little convenience store here. So uh, I managed to find both, but I knew I was going to be thirsty from talking today. So yeah, and it's well, hot def- as hell here. So Dude, I need to cool off. Very well. You, you're living in like um, Satan's butthole as far as the California <laughs> in the summertime. Um, yeah, b- but yeah, it definitely is. It's always funny. Sometimes I'm like, should I do two? Um, should I bring two pod? Um, bevs on on this podcast and then by the end of our two-hour conversation i'm like i'm like all right see you later and i'm like running to the bathroom because it's just like that's a lot of liquid especially (laughs) if you're doing like two liquid deaths or like something like that so true um especially um shout out the buried alive flavor of liquid death Mm. is that your favorite it's it's up there i do like the mango a little bit better but buried Mm -hmm. alive is the first thing always comes to my mind when i think of liquid death so i could I looked for it today, couldn't find it, but that's yeah. okay. I definitely think when I was, when, you know, it was the time where I saw you, that's when I got to try all like three flavors on, on different occasions. I definitely mm. think that the severed lime is definitely one that is the, the, the most balanced. I find that the mango is like a little too like, like flavored, uh, wise. And then I feel like the berry is kind of like on the, it's on the side lower the side. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like those memes where it's like uh, Lacroix testing out new flavors, and they're like peeling off like a <laughs> they like dip like a banana in some water, and they're like, no, it's banana flavored. So um, yeah, not or to say like, like with death strawberry banana, next but... to some TV static. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, Bez wise for me, uh, really basic, just rocking a peach Red Bull. Let's um, go. Definitely like my go-to flavor. Um, I think I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but um, yeah. it's a the band I play in Endgame. Are one of our show traditions is that uh, it kind of cycles through members as far as you know birthdays and in years. But uh, at every show, it's someone's responsibility to get a four pack of Red Bull, um, mm-hmm. dealer's choice, um, and you know do a little toast kind of before we get ready. Oh, to that's cool. Get on stage. Um, that's cool. It is funny because this tradition has gone on ever since the band pretty much like started playing shows again uh, once that kind of came back last year. And, um, you know, it's funny how like certain members have either left who were like a fan of certain flavors and then the mm-hmm. current lineup, it's almost like, oh, I might do watermelon and half of us are for that and the other half are like, don't you dare do watermelon because they don't like it. So <laughs> um, it, it always becomes funny, uh, but it's, right. it's cool because some people like they'll do like, a flavor each and then we have to like fend for it or they'll just get like the four pack. So yeah, um, I guess since you. we're, since we're on the topic of, you know, show traditions, just take it to heart. Have anything like that, that, that you guys do on a, on a pretty uh, normal basis? Not really. Um, it's a lot of like, honestly, like dick and ball jokes. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's what, that's what we consist of. You have to, it's you usually have to us quota something before. And, yeah. It's usually us just like, just riffing on each other and then pat usually being like hey yo big pause like and that's pretty much it <laughs> it's that, that's pretty much how it was uh 
last night we played at a local um like college radio station did a live set where we played the the record front to back mm. um at uh, KUCI uh we kept the whole night it was just hey yo take it to heart playing at Coochie FM that was that was the joke it's terrible it's stupid we're dumb but <laughs> but it was a good time <laughs> it was still a good time yeah yeah there's like what dick and ball jokes can we get away from uh with this college radio station if any uh i mean we didn't do it during the interview it was more so when we were hanging out setting up stuff like that but uh on the interview we we're all very like you know professional and you know sweet to each other and stuff like that but if somebody said something that was out of pocket off off mic, we were just like trying to, you know, <laughs> it's stupid. We just kept like being like, like just like mouthing that to each other, being like, pause, oh, I go chill, chill. Um, Jay, really excited to do this podcast with you, bro. This yes, one's for you. Excellent, and this is for you. There we go. <laughs> this one's for you, and this one's mm. for you. Yeah. Um, oh, so, damn, that hits so good right now. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Sometimes, it, you, you know, you got to like relish in that first sip, you know? Hmm. <laughs> I didn't uh, shake but, it up first, though, so it's going to be a little watery, but that's okay. Still tastes, <laughs> still tastes brilliant. Yeah. There's definitely, uh, yeah. We definitely had one person who came on here once that uh, the Bev that he checked was just like a Coors Light, and he, uh, and he just shotgunned it immediately. Like, we're like not even like two minutes into the conversation. Um, so shout out to Cam from these streets for doing that. Oh, dude, Absolutely. shout out Cam. I love Cam so much. Cam, if Cam, you're listening, that, shout out. I miss you, bud. I haven't seen you in a hot minute. <laughs> that interview with him was like probably one of the most incoherent conversations that I've ever had. But like, <laughs> one of the, like, it was just hilarious. I think, yeah, it was like, just Cam coming on the podcast to get drunk and talk about hardcore is like one of my favorite yeah. things ever. I'm sure he was um, shouting out, uh, shouting out uh, more road on that <laughs> podcast. I know it can't go a day yeah. without mentioning it in the, in the best way. Yeah. Uh, well, Jay, uh, really excited to have you on, uh, to talk yeah. about take it to heart things. Uh, mm-hmm. any new guests that I have here on the show, I'd like to get a little bit of context about how they got into this whole thing called hardcore. So, yeah. uh, take us way back in time to like the first time that you heard, you know, a, you know, a mosh riff, a two-step, uh, you know, saw moshing, um, you know, anything that, you know, was like the first kind of entry point into, um, setting you up to be on the road that you're on. Uh, yeah, take us back in time and tell us the origin story. Cool. Um, as a comic book fan, I'm definitely a big fan of uh, origin stories. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I have a really interesting background in music. Like when I was a kid, I was really into like Elvis, Johnny Cash, Roy Orbison, Jerry Lee Lewis. Like when I was like a little kid, like five to six. And I still, I've always enjoyed it. Like I used to even play in like, like rockabilly and like bands of that sort. Um, back when I was in high school. Um, and like, that's what got me into learning music was like that and green day. Hmm. Um, green day was like my first like real band that like I latched onto, uh, growing up. Um, And then I remember like I ended up learning like their entire catalog 
like just like playing it on guitar just by ear and stuff. Mm. Um, you know, everything from, you know, like a 39 smooth and all that stuff all the way up to, uh, what was their record at the time? Uh, it was like 2009. So it had to be like 21st century breakdown, but it that was like, like I was obsessed with them. And from there it goes into like my cam and from my cam, it went into like dashboard confessional, which is kind of a leap, but <laughs> it's still pretty adjacent. And then like taking back Sunday and all that kind of stuff. So like, that's kind of the, the route that I was following. Um, and I liked other like, older punk bands so like bad religion and black flag who i saw a few times uh in high school and stuff um so that was that was kind of what started me on that on that road mm. um uh, obviously i i skipped around a, a lot of different kinds of interests and things uh along the way musically um but in terms of hardcore the first hardcore band that i remember hearing uh the the two hardcore bands that i remember hearing first um one was gorilla biscuits and that's just because um you know i was just going down the rabbit hole of things that were related to bad religion and then band and then band and then band like who's related to who and then picking out all of those and then seeing who's related to what right. found start today um and then i just thought that was like a really cool punk record but i didn't realize that it was hardcore at the time Mm -hmm. uh and then from there somebody uh showed me um uh the hope division from stick, stick to your guns right um and right away i was like this is crazy <laughs> like this is awesome this is this reminds me of the other stuff that i was listening to um but it but i i listened to that uh quite often um but I didn't go to a hardcore show until about 2012. That was the first time I went to a hardcore show. Um, and it was rotting out in Loma Prieta in Santa Cruz at a little place called the pioneer. Okay. On pioneer street. Um, I think it's street either way. I'm going to hyperfixate on that. And I don't want to do that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, the 4831 heads will, will know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, it was like this tiny little concrete room and rotting out was mind boggling. It was right. crazy. Um, pre, uh, pre like big Wally. <laughs> so like he, he was still like terrifying to me, but, right. <laughs> you know, to, to but he wasn't little, Michelin little man Jay. size, yeah, but yeah. yeah, no, he wasn't like gigantic and just like, you know, uh, the size of the Hulk. So, um, <laughs> But either way, it was it was really cool, and Loma Prieta was was different from what I had heard at the point at that point too, mm. um, but still really really cool. Um, but then I really kind of went to like the odd, I, I saw the odd hardcore band along the way until about 2014, 2015, right around the time I graduated high school. That's when I actually started to attend occasional shows with my um, old buddy Jesse Rieger. Um, and, uh, from there we didn't really like make a ton of friends immediately. It was kind of just like going to random shows. I remember, uh, when Hyperview came out, uh, title fight played or they on the tour was power trip. 
Um, and it came through Santa Cruz. And I remember seeing Power Trip with, uh, with Title Fight. And it was really weird. But it was That dope. is very weird. But, but it was very awesome. Dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was totally, so yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was the first time that I'd ever heard uh, Power Trip. And that was nuts. And that was in the, the atrium of the Catalyst in, uh, in downtown Santa Cruz. Gotcha. Um, but really, that, that's kind of, kind of how it went. You know, uh, along the way, I just kind of picked up more and more bands and like, you know, I saw Rotting Out. And then after that, I was like, okay, what's related to that? You know, who, what's in their thank yous on the records and stuff like that, or what's related to them on Spotify. Right. Um, and then, you know, found like Take Offense and bands like that. And then as I started to get more and more integrated into the, into the scene, uh, that's when I met Malachi. Uh, that's why I met uh, Mr. Malachi Green, um, who a lot of a lot of y'all know from Scowl and Lead Dream and bands of bands of that sort. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Mr. Mr. Santa Cruz Hardcore, um, <laughs> who I am. I'm so infinitely proud of that guy. Right. Like he's he's doing so much cool stuff. That whole camp uh, and shout out uh, shout out Cole Gilbert too. another another really good buddy. Yeah. Um, love Cole. Love yeah. all the Scowl gang. Love them all. They're all so sweet. Um, I met Bailey and Kat for the first time at Promcore last year. Mm. Um, and that was that was like a long time coming. I've been wanting to to meet the two of them specifically for a long time. Um, but anyway, before I get ahead of myself, I uh, was in a band with Malachi and uh, Benny. Shout out Machine Gun Benny. Um, and our buddy Justin. Uh, in a band called uh, No Greater Fight, um, and it was kind of around the time that the second Youth Crew revival was happening in like <laughs> 2015. Mm. Um, so we we played a few shows, and that was when Drain was really kicking into gear as well. Um, so that's when they were putting out uh, their EP Overthinking, and uh, those guys have been uh, really good buds of mine ever since as well. And mm. another camp that I'm infinitely proud of and. Um, love to see where they where they came from and where they've been constantly on a trajectory, only going up, like where they're going. Right. Um, so I, I can't say enough good things about about that camp either. Mm-hmm. Um, they're wonderful, wonderful human beings. But uh, that's kind of where it all kind of really kicked off. Um, and then from there, I didn't really look back. Been yeah. pretty consistent ever since. Yeah. So. Everything that you just said, it sounded like there wasn't like one ultra pivotal moment of a show or like an experience that was like, oh, like I need to know everything about this. There was just like slow little chips at like, oh, that stick to your guns band is really cool. Oh, that yeah. rotting out band is really cool. And it just had like a trickle down. Effect it just into like, it just grew. It yeah. just grew. Um, mm-hmm. There were I, I would venture to say that there were several small pivotal moments. Mm. Uh, rather than just one big like you know oh i saw this band and it changed my life right it was like i saw this band and went damn that's pretty cool what else is there and then after that it was like okay listen to like another three bands and then that fourth band was like oh this is crazy now i'm gonna keep going in that direction and this that and the other it it kind of just it just totally spread out that way Mm. Yeah, um, and and so, very similar yeah. to uh, a topic that I hope that we hit on a little later in the interview is just like 
you know, it wasn't like one comic, like one comic could just open the world of like, of, of all that stuff to one person, but it could be like, you know, doing something, you know, that's a little stock as far as like, oh, I'm going to read like a Spider-Man comic or something like that. And then you get like a little more down into it to find the more niche things. And my pointing first, at yourself, that, that yes. sounds like that's very yeah. similar. My first comic book was Ultimate Spider-Man number 14 uh, when I was six. Mm. My dad took me to a Borders, and Borders would occasionally stock like single issues. Mm. Um, or at least the Borders that was in Milpitas near where I grew up when I was a little kid in the Bay. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I remember grabbing it, and like I was flipping through it, and I saw like it had like Dr. Octopus being reintroduced in the Ultimate Universe for the first time. And he had had this like girdle that had all the arms on it. Like he had gone through an accident in the prior issue and it was like, like, like melted into his skin. Mm. And it was for me as a six year old, it was disgusting, but I was like, this is cool. And I kept right. flipping through and it was Spider-Man. And I was like, Oh wow. And my dad was like, yeah, because I was like six years old at the time. It was 2001. And he was like, yeah, you know, this is where, you know, Spider-Man comes from. And this was right before the movie came out. And this is because I just loved the cartoons, uh, the Spider-Man cartoons and the toys and stuff. And then, um, you know, after that, you know, I read that one comic book. And that was the only one that I had for a long time, but it was still my first. Hmm. And then saw the movies and just started to get another comic once in a while and then another trade paperback and then mm -hmm. like a giant omnibus. And then once I finished all that, then it was like, okay, then I was off to the races similarly. Yeah. But for me, it was like that one big pivotal moment that like sent me. Yeah. And it was like that one Spider-Man comic and then watching Batman, the animated series when I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think I, I'm just hitting on this because I'm a firm believer of like, you know, whatever way that you entered into the hardcore world. And I mm -hmm. use that as like a very umbrella term at times where it's like, yes, there's definitely like, this is a hardcore genre or band. Um, but as far as like the community basis, like for me, I've never been focused on like, oh, well, these people came from punk. So they have more credibility versus if you came from like pop punk or screamo or like alternative music or, or whatever. So I, and I love the idea that it's not like I listened to this one. Like there are people that have those stories where it's like I saw this one band live and it changed my life forever. Mm -hmm. I listened to this one record and it like totally opened my mind. Um, but I do think that there are, are there are moments that help reinforce that initial turning of the of the of the scales, so to speak. Yeah. Um, for for me, it was definitely like going. You know, I, I I had gone to a couple like of shows, but it wasn't until I went to see I, I went to go see um, Means, which was like a band that was on Facetown Records. They were kind of mm -hmm. like this combo of like really smart hardcore, but had like melodic sides as well. It was their last Ooh. show, and um, and it was just like the energy in the room had, was something I just never experienced. And that I can definitely attest is like that was my turning point moment. Yeah. And there was like tons of moments where like you're I was listening to certain records growing up where I'm like, oh, like people can do this with this music. And then, you know, it, it goes deeper and deeper. And then I think once you've been in this for as long as you or I have, you kind of look yeah. at like how 
how the tunnels of you know the heavy music on, on how far and wide they go um yeah but, you know people are still connected um mm-hmm. i wanted to jump back to one of the earlier things that you said though uh as far as like the one of the first instances of music for you was like rockabilly. Um, yeah. Was that more just like how, like what your family was always playing in the house or like, um, or like how, how was that initially introduced? Because rockabilly and, and that style of music is not something that very different. Up here. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. You know, f- for me, it just, it, it captivated my very young imagination. Um, you know, my, my grandmother, uh, who's in her eighties is a, about the same age as like, Elvis was hmm. right. So when she was in her twenties, Elvis was new and on the scene and she was from Tennessee. Like she was from like a real small town about, you know, a couple hours outside of Memphis. So on the radio was Elvis all the time. And she adores Elvis. Um, and I got that from her. I got that directly from her. Like she would play all kinds of stuff in the house and I would sing along to it so much that like, that's where my vocal range ended up falling. So like in like that baritone, like range. Gotcha. Um, okay. And that's, and it, it just, it, it fit um, as I grew older, but I loved how, how, how much emotion you could feel in that music. And a lot of people write it off as corny and it is, it's really <laughs> corny, uh, especially like after the fifties, it's corny and it's stupid, but I love it. You know, and I still do. I don't listen to it regularly anymore. Um, but like, dude, there was a time where I was like combing my hair up and like had like the whole whole nine, man. Like it was crazy. Wow. Dude, ask Malachi; awesome. he'll tell you all the stories. He's got things yeah. to prove it, man. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like starting this hardcore band with you, and he's like, "Who is this Elvis? Elvis imposter?" Yeah, straight. Guy. Yeah, yeah, honestly, <laughs> like that. That was after. That was afterwards. But it was mm. like. I went from like playing in those bands and loving hardcore to just like, I'm just going to go this way. And like, that's why I cut my hair and, you know, grew my beard out and stuff like that. But yeah, it was, it was just, you know, how I, uh, it's how I, how I found my love for music, man. Like, yeah, it was, it was how, how it was the, the energy that like, that like Jerry Lee Lewis had, and and Elvis had the the like somber, um, you know, folk music that uh, Bob Dylan would would put out, or that Johnny Cash would, especially leaning into the somberness and the the darkness of of the stuff that he in his worldview. I loved that, and I still do. And that stuff really influences how I write today because it's it's these folks that were like singing what they knew singing what they what their peers were singing but it was all about especially in in like you know dylan and and cash's sense it was you know less so address i mean like they addressed a lot of topics of the day but it was mostly about how they felt and i said this on the radio last night how they felt about the world around them Mm -hmm. because that's what they knew best yeah you know uh, and then to circle it, swing it back around to hardcore, there's a lot of bands that are super well suited to discuss politics in their songs. Um, and as much as I, as I would, I feel like it might just kind of be another one of those tracks. It might just kind sure. of fall in with just like, up, oh, it's another song about politics, you know, 
And politics is baked into and talking about like sociopolitical issues and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff is baked into hardcore and punk rock. Mm. But for me, I feel like I'm better suited to talk about how I feel about these things versus saying like, Hey, this is a problem. Yeah. We know it's that this is a problem. And I feel like that's how the reaction would be to something that I would write. Mm-hmm. Cause it would just be an outline of what's going on. I want to be able to, take that outline and, and fill it in with color and emotion and my vision of how everything's going and why it's so either, you know, screwed up or what we can do to make it better, all that kind of stuff, or how, how it just affects me and my friends and my loved ones and stuff on a very personal level. So, you know, uh, it's taking that same writing ethic from or way of writing from, you know, your Johnny Cash's and Roy Orbison and Bob Dylan yeah um and putting my version of that into uh take it to heart that's pretty much what the lyrics end up being yeah um if i can add two things uh in there i i love that you said like yo like hardcore and and talking about the the problems in our world like Mm -hmm. those are baked together there's a lot of foundational bands that like you know really like addressed a lot of those things like you know and that could be anything from things with the government or how our world is set up to like things like veganism and like introducing those ideas as well um but i do think that it's very important for people not to force that if that is something that is like ultra like important to you and that's a passion of yours like yeah like no one is saying that that you can't put that into your music but i do feel like there there is just as much value in bands and lyricists writing about these things that are like, this is how I feel about it or like things like that. Right. Like, you know, I can only speak for the band that I play in and, you know, I, I help Wolfgang with the lyrics, but it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I think if we were just trying to really insert this like super political, um, you know, song on a lyrical front, it might fall flat. It might not have the impact that, those subjects those those sub- subject matters deserve um mm-hmm. will we write a song uh about our frustration with you know uh racist hate crimes within our city and talk about cutting those bigots with swords uh and call the song feel my seal absolutely let's do yeah, that yeah absolutely um, yeah so i do think that it's ultra cool of you to be very self self-aware of like hey i might not be writing the you know, political anthem that, you know, someone like, um, you know, I, you, you brought up stick your guns like that Jesse would write about, yeah. but I'm going to write it from my perspective and insert, um, because that's, that's what I know that I can speak to versus mm-hmm. trying, trying to say without, um, you know, have having the backing behind it. Right. And, you know, to, to echo something that Eric was saying, our guitar player, Eric, uh, was saying and during the interview last night was that you know we as much as we love you know crazy riffs and ass beater lyrics and stuff like that like we we love hard bands we're not hard guys we're right. we're doughy in the middle and we're and we're very you know just kind of like yeah we we there's it's easy to express anger but it can be a little bit harder to uh be vulnerable 
Mm -hmm. And that's kind of just what we as a band want to put forward. So, you know, as much as, uh, as much as we love those songs about, you know, you know, beating ass and cutting folks with swords, uh, (laughs) um, it's not something that, that I feel like I could, I could write without someone looking at me and being just like, really? (laughs) You know what I mean? As much as I think it would be super fun, uh, too, but you know, that's all good. I, I mean, even when the band was first starting, um, before we had a name or anything, well, actually, well, no, we had a name and it was originally going to be called set to strike and it was going to be like a foundation band. Mm. It was going to sound a lot like foundation. Those kinds of riffs and big mosh parts and, um, maybe not quite political songs as much as just like stuff that was definitely more ass beater. And the, yes. the more we played it, the more we were just like, it's cool, but it's not us. Like, like I've, it's not even imposter syndrome. It's like, we're trying to cosplay and it's like, right, <laughs> let's right. not cosplay. Let's be authentic here. Yeah. Um, and then we saw have heart play and we were like, yeah, that's, it's the direction. It's the, it's the stuff that we had already bonded over uh, before then, but then have heart played in 2019. And we said, yeah, we got to change everything. Yeah. So we scrapped everything that we wrote, even the name and then came up with something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's ultra important to just recognize like, you know, when you look at certain bands that are like a, you know, uh, a staple beatdown band, it's like, yeah, all of these guys actually look ultra scary. <laughs> and like, yeah. you know, uh, but like, you know, some of the, some of the sweetest, some of the sweetest guys that I've met that play in those bands, like it, it's just always the case. It's not like, oh, I'm actually like scared to talk to you. It's like, no, I could like call up any of these people and have like a really genuine conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that like being aware of that, you know, again, I can only speak for, for my bands, but it's like, you know, we, we rock this, like, um, you know, this version of hardcore that I think is very applicable to anyone of, of any state, uh, in their, in their journey. And, you know, there's yeah. definitely times where like in a live setting, I'd be like, oh, I'm like being a little too over the top when it comes to telling people to like beat the shit out of each other. Maybe I should just tell people to like let's go and that could be enough you know like right small things like that actually go like a long way um uh go, i i i did want to make mention though you know because we were talking about rockabilly and johnny cash and and all mm-hmm. and elvis and all those things um yeah again like i said uh means having that like ultra melod like really melodic hardcore was the thing that kind of like get me started with this whole thing yeah. so listening to means um the the band that I loved uh, gr- getting into hardcore was a band called Hundredth, and this is kind of oh, before. Dude. Yeah, this is kind of before the shoegaze kind of transition. Yeah, but I remember they did a a cover of Hurt, um, and I was just like blown away by like how like just powerful and like like dark it felt. And then you know like obviously like most people have heard the original of that, but I like. That's what really I sing to, to warm it. up my voice is hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah. It's it's like it's a great song. Um, and and the cover that Hundred did, it was like definitely one of my my favorites. Um, mm. but yeah, it, it's it's really cool how you know even something as unconventional as rockabilly or things like that, like there's still something to pull. I think from any absolutely that you uh that you initially got started with, like yeah, I don't care. 
I don't care if it's K-pop or, you know, uh, or dubstep. I'm sure that there's like at least one little nugget that you can pull when you're when you're getting into heavier music and, and yeah. uh, DIY music. Yeah, because I mean, like there's more of a through line between that stuff and what we listen to than people give credit for. Totally. Um, especially when you're talking about someone as influential as Johnny Cash. And it's like, yeah, not everything aged gracefully because it was also like the 60s and the 50s right. and the 70s. <laughs> Um, but there's some stuff there that just like, you know, it's even, even the stuff that that's much more upbeat is the lyrics are wrought with pain and a lot of, you know, like, like the kind of like your, your common man being downtrodden and stuff like that. And what else do you hear in hardcore songs? (laughs) You hear of the average person like being like yo shit sucks <laughs> like, right it's just in different it's just a different way of speaking at this point but it's yeah. the same it's the same thing yeah. um L- less hip shaking and more just fist shaking and, and, and more <laughs> yeah yeah w- without really trying to be like you know old man screams at cloud type of thing you know <laughs> but like it's uh it's still very much like you know it's it, it you know it's less of citing the problems it john joseph actually said this in a in a it's like a vice documentary or something else um but he said like you know punk rock was always you know addressing the problems um granted he said it in more colorful language but he's always about addressing the problems but hardcore is about finding solutions to those problems yes so i, it's, I it's, know that quote exactly what yeah, you're speaking about yeah yeah and, I, and like you know, punk I was always like that. fuck the man and it's like and hardcore yeah. is a little bit more like okay well how can okay, i well, find you, the solutions to yeah how do you how do you, how do you work that? how do you work your way against the man in a pragmatic sense yeah <laughs> right totally yeah um very cool so we've had a lot on i guess your background and you know some of the early days when it comes to jay um yeah. tell me kind of like the origin of like the idea of take it to heart um, and how that kind of entered the picture. Yeah. So initially, um, and I already touched on it, like when we were jamming initially, but to go all the way to the, the beginning, uh, when I moved to Orange County in the fall of 2017, uh, the first show that I went to down here was Terror, Strife. I think there might have been another band and then Dare at Program. Got you. Crazy bill for program, and it was a it was a crazy first show, especially because it was terror and fucking strife, man. Like, oh my god, that is wild. Um, to do that in such small <laughs> like shout out yeah, to program, but like dangerous, to do it dude. that small of a place. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, sweet Jesus. Um, but yeah. So. Oh man. Yeah. So it was it was a really cool it was a really cool experience. That's where I really got to meet a lot of the guys in dare i had seen dare once before um and it was like like five six lineups ago or something like that but it was in santa cruz right in this toward the end of the summer somewhere around the time that i was gonna move right um but i didn't really get to say hello to anybody um i I just kind of i watched them and was like band's cool band's good you know and they've gotten a lot better since but yeah at the time i was like yeah this, this is pretty tight um uh, and that was at Cafe Pergolesi in Santa Cruz. But either way, uh, that's where I met some of the guys in Dare. Um, you know, like uh, specifically, that's where I met Angel for the first time. 
Um, and then, you know, other folks and Aaron, uh, and then some other, other folks that, uh, have, you know, uh, you know, come and gone from the band since. Right. Um, but I met, uh, Ben, Ben Hughes at that show as well. Uh, and he had just moved back to California after being in, uh, living in Denver for, uh, a long, a good chunk of his, uh, childhood and teen years. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I met him there and, uh, we were talking to, I can't remember exactly who we were talking to. But we were talking to somebody there and, um, and they're like, yeah, you were in uh, no greater fight back within Santa Cruz. Right. And I said, yeah. And Ben was like, Oh, Hey, I, I know that band. Uh, I listened to your demo when I was in high school. I was like, Oh, that's cool, man. You know, like that. That's very cool. Thanks for, thanks for checking it out. He's like, yeah, after that, it was like that. And then it was like wrong answer. And then I just got into hardcore. And I was like, that's really cool, you know, to that, like something that myself and some friends had put together, um, you know, like set this kid in, in motion in, in, in some respect or another. Right. Um, and I, that, that was pretty cool. I, I can't take ownership for that, but you know, to be, to be a part of that was, was really cool. And that's something that I expected whatsoever. Um, and then immediately because he, he said that I was like, yo, this, this kid rocks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we started talking. He said that he I helped bass you on and, your journey. So now we are friends. Yeah. So I was like, yo, this, this dude's cool. And he was, he was a, a you know, funny guy. Um, and, uh, and we started hanging out little by little. Um, and then we started just going to any, every show. Uh, and it was always Ben and Jay um, for, for quite a while there. Um, and just one by one, we start, you know, kind of picking up random folks that wanted to jam out and stuff and started playing a little bit. Uh, so for uh, all of 2018 and going into 2019, we were jamming with our friend uh, TJ on drums uh, and this guy, uh, Josh, on guitar. Um, and we were trying to come up with uh, stuff for Set to Strike which is initially what we had thought up for like the foundation band that I touched right. on earlier. Right. Um, but then, you know, like, you know, Josh was doing like school and work stuff, so he couldn't really uh, commit to it. And that was fine. Uh, TJ and uh, his uh, now wife, Katie, who's one of our best friends ever, both of them, Katie and TJ shout out. Love you. Um, but uh, they moved to Austin, Texas. So naturally that wasn't going to work out. Um, and, uh, you know, we were, we were jamming and stuff with, uh, our buddy Logan temporarily just to kind of have a drummer playing, you know, until we found something else. Um, and, uh, that was around the time that, uh, I had met Eric. I met Eric at a show that he was playing in his old band called iridescent that Pat, our drummer was also in, um, I don't really know how to describe that band other than they were just like kind of like an emo band of sorts. Couldn't, couldn't really say could really couldn't tell you. Um, but Eric was like one of the funniest guys I'd ever met. Um, and, uh, he had just moved to Southern California himself. Um, for an orange County band, we are all transplants. <laughs> we are all transplants. Uh, yeah. like I I'm from the Bay area and Santa Cruz, uh, you know, uh, Ben, uh, was like, like 
born in, in Philly, grew up a little bit in outside of LA and then spent most of his life in Denver. Uh, Eric is from Seattle and Pat is from uh, Iran. So mm-hmm. like we're, we're from literally anywhere, but orange County. But the thing is that like, this is where, you know, a, a chunk of us live. This is where we hang out. It's where we wrote a lot of stuff initially. It's where we go to all the shows. It's like, this is like our home base. So right. it led to, you know, claiming orange County when it came to our band. Right. Um, and really, and really putting that on our sleeve and being, being proud of it. Um, so either way, uh, going back to, uh, us jamming out, we, we started playing a little bit and, uh, you know, Eric was writing like a melodic riff and it was, it was, it was really cool. Um, ended up writing like half of a song that ended up turning into, uh, our, our song on the brighter side, uh, where the land and the skyline meet like the, the intro, uh, guitar on that. Um, and then like two weeks later, we went into sound and fury and we saw have heart and we said, Oh my God. <laughs> Cause like we all loved have heart and Bane and modern life is war and, uh, go it alone. Um, you know, all those bands, all those mm-hmm. bands in, in, in that, in that vein, uh, ruiner verse. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on, but that's all what we, what we had in common. And that's all what mm-hmm. we gravitated towards when we were just like listening to this stuff. Anyway, went and saw have heart saw, just felt every ounce of emotion that that could possibly put forward. And then we just said, yeah, we're, that's the direction we're going in, man. Like, right. did we like, and I we, we all remember that we all took like video <laughs> of like us playing that, like half of the song and said, this is what we're going to do. And that right. was like the first song that we wrote as, as a band. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's very funny. The, the high that, uh, that people can get on off of a, a big show like that or a festival, yeah. like mm-hmm. the start of Endgame was just because a bunch of us were at a fest in Vancouver and we all were like, we got, we got to start a band. And then we realized we all wanted to start bands. And then, you know, we were all originally from Calgary, but I yeah. think it's cool. Cause you know, that has such a ripple effect for like, you know, this is hardcore just happened, you know, by the time that this comes right. out, maybe uh sound and fury might've just happened as well. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's cool for, you know, for me as like the, the person doing this podcast where it's like, I can have someone on, um, like, uh, I, I remember I'm going to shout out Lexi from, from space when they came on, it was like kind of the same thing. Like I kind of listened to a couple hardcore bands and then I saw, I went to the have heart reunions and then it was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like, and you know, space is now like, you know, doing badass shit. They're going to Europe with comeback kid. So I think it's like, I think people, you know, going back to what you're saying with Ben, like sometimes you think about like you do a record or you do a show and you think it's just, you're kind of just doing it and you don't realize the potential impact that it could have on, on people that you don't, that you might not know for like five years, or you might not ever find out the the impact that you had on doing that. So, um, mm-hmm. I think that's important to note a, to remind people to, you know, thank the people who are booking these fests, booking the shows yes. that are doing the, the damn Absolutely. thing that makes hardcore sick. And also knowing for the people that are actually doing it, that it's like, you know, there is a reason and your, 
your labor does have lasting impacts on multiple generations of hardcore kids. And, mm-hmm. and that's clear as, as day from, from our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, big ups to all of those people who put those fests together. Like, like you know, Aaron with Act Like You Know and Promcore, uh, Bob Wilson, um, you know, Riley and Martine, you know, Sound of Fury folks and Joe Hardcore, all those guys. Like, and everyone that, that puts together Wild Rose as well. Like, mm. everyone who, who's doing that um, is just, you know, they're, they're taking so much time and effort to put together like this giant like congregation (laughs) where like everybody can go and have a really good time and just meet new people and explore new bands and you know like reconnect with other people that they haven't seen in a while or that they've only been friends with on the internet or stuff like that and it's it's magic it's awesome and there's Mm -hmm. no feeling like it so like these fests when like fest season as it is like kind of comes around it's like dude uh it's <laughs> it's awesome uh i i love it uh so i'm i'm excited unfortunately i don't think i'm going to be able to go to sound of period this year just because it's right before tour and i'm working on day one you know so like that's when i need to pick up my paycheck deposit it and then take off uh, <laughs> right not to philly but um but if it makes way, you feel better, I won't be there either because I'm going to Toronto for an entirely different festival. So, uh, right. Oh, I think I know which one you're you're talking about. Yeah, mm. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So you see, have heart with the homies, and you're just mm-hmm. like, this is the shit that we want to do. Um. You know, take it to heart is pretty. Um. Still fresh on like as far as the the body of work that y'all have with this Mm -hmm. new EP being like, you know, the next step in that. So like maybe, maybe a question I can ask you is like for the first release to this next thing that's coming down the pipe, what do you think is the biggest um, either step up or gap as far as just like different ways of doing things, different ways of writing Uh, anything you want to say to that? Absolutely. Everything. Absolutely Every, everything, everything. <laughs> from the lyrical output to the time that we spent writing everything to the way we wrote. I mean, everything was different. Um, mm. On the brighter side, it was just like, uh, you know, it feels like for it being our, our demo, it hardly feels like a demonstration of what we're actually capable of. It mm-hmm. feels like, like, like a pre-demo, like something that you put on like a burner CD and hand out at Warp Tour that you're kind of just like, hey, this is, we, we hung out twice and here's, here's what we came <laughs> out with. You know what I mean? Like this is, that's what it feels like oh now. Oh my gosh. Because. I'm definitely going to call out like, yo, this demo is definitely like you hung out a couple of times and put it together. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the way that you said that. Yeah, it's like it's it doesn't even feel like a demo. Like Ben said, it's like a pre demo. After I mm. said that on the on the interview uh, yesterday, because like, dude, as much as I I like, you know, like two of those songs, um, you know, I it just it it wasn't an accurate portrayal of what we can do, and mm. hymns for the hopeless is, um. Not to say that this is actually our demo. This is a proper EP release that we're that we're doing through Safe Inside Records. So shout out Safe Inside. Shout but, out to Bert. 
yeah shout out bert man you're you're a legend um and, hawaii hardcore in the building <laughs> yeah although he is back in san diego now oh okay um, he's been so, back in san diego for a hot second, outdated so. reference but yeah <laughs> yes but real ones no uh, <laughs> real ones no <laughs> but shout out bert man you you treat us so well and you always make sure that we're we're taken care of and you know putting our names uh, putting our name out there and stuff i mean you know he he's the reason why we got on to a prom core. you know he he hit up he was talking to aaron and was like hey uh could you get take it to heart on on the bill mm. and then was like uh yeah sure i can put them on like a pre-show or something and yeah but then like you know people dropped on the on the main fest so we ended up getting put to open the the first day and it was great it was great and that was a definitely a a cool moment uh for us uh, as a band um Um, i i just want to hit on uh what you said as far as like it's very easy for a band to like put together two three four songs Mm-hmm. slap demo on the side of it and call it yeah. a day. But I really think just the extra effort of like, is this a demonstration of what we're actually capable of? Like, I just love the way of looking at it that mm-hmm. way versus just like, Oh, th- this is our first release. It's three songs demo. And that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like when, when Endgame put out our, our initial demo, I, I remember vividly running into, um, uh, Nathan from Stepping Stone. Uh, th- shout this out is all Stone. like Band shout rocks. out to Stepping Stone. Shout out to Queen City Hardcore. Um, shout out Flashback I, too. Hard flashback agree. goes that PS2 rip that they had at Promcore. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> that was um, crazy. It, it was funny because he ran into me. He's like, "Dude, that's l- let's be honest. That's an EP." And I, I, it was you know we had this you know funny back and forth about it because I think at the time it was like you know it had been a while since I had done a band in the way of like a, just a straight up hardcore band. It wasn't like, Oh, we're like a heavy hardcore or we're doing this. Um, right. so like everyone's like, Oh, we'll just call it a demo. And that always felt a little like, you know, it's kind of just whatever. Um, like mm-hmm. that release did like really, really well for us as far as an initial launch. But like, yeah, it definitely was. I like what you said as far as like just taking an extra, you know, pass with the fine tooth comb just to be like, is this a demonstration of what we're capable of? It's totally mm-hmm. fine if it's the very first release and, you know, a year goes by and you're like, I only like one of those songs. But is it a demo demonstration of this new group of people that are coming together to start this band? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, I agree. I can't, I can't really, you know, flush it out any more than that, but um, well, you started side, it. I just, you know, I yeah. just added a little bit more to it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but when it, when it came to the brighter side, it was just kind of like, you know, do these songs feel good? Cool. Awesome. Or do they have a definitive beginning and end? Then yes. Mm-hmm. And is the middle clear? Then yeah, sure. In three out of four cases, mm-hmm. uh, three out of five cases, really, because there's a dumbass intro. <laughs> but um, but it, it's okay. Uh, yeah, so we we wrote those songs, and then when it came to the name, you know, it's hard to name things. It's the hardest part of being in a band is naming. For me, it's easy to name songs. I can name songs no matter what. It's fine. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, but when it comes to naming like a record or naming the band, we, you, you know that it's tough <laughs> because you're like, right. 
does this work? Is it too long? Is it too short? Is the name taken? Is the name taken? Oh my is god! The na- Will we be sued if it's taken by some butt rock stoner band, which has happened unfortunately to a lot of other yeah. bands that have come on this podcast? You know, yeah. Do we have to drop? You know, I- I'm thinking of like bugging out, dropping the out to just be bugging. Or- yeah, or adding tx onto everything if you're from texas <laughs> shout out to any band who's by just need of like lawyers and some of those things had to just add the tx yeah um, i know uh you know you brought up flashback i don't like i don't care if this is a little shit talking there's a band from calgary as well called flashback which is a stone oh. rock band and when i f- discovered that I sent it to Nathan and being like, do you know? And he's like, yes, we, we have beef with them. Um, you need to promise <laughs> me to never film them on scoped exposure. And I was like, I don't know if this band even knows that we exist. And then I think a, a few years later, um, they hit me up about filming and I felt obligated to not do it because I made a promise to Nathan. But, uh, you know, wow, it's a, uh, I, I doubt any of either flashback bands are listening to this podcast specifically. So I think we're in the clear. Um, it's all good. I do agree though. It's like, it's very, uh, I don't know when it comes to naming stuff. Are you just like pulling from like lyrics that you've already written uh, or you're like, this is the additional thing that I, that isn't in the actual lyrics for, for songs. It's a little bit of both. Sometimes it's a phrase. Um, sometimes it's a phrase that I hear in like a movie or I read in a comic book or that I, you know, just see in lyrics and stuff like that. And I go, Ooh, that's good. Right. That's good. And then, you know, from there I write a song or I just, you know, when I'm writing lyrics, I wait for music to be there and I write lyrics based off of what the music is telling me to write, which is an interesting way to put it. So, um, when, when there's, when there's music happening, I write to that. And I, I always have. Um, I always put lyrics to whatever music there is because the tonality and emotion behind the music is going to inform how I feel and therefore how I feel is going to dictate what I put, you know, what, I, what, what, what comes out of pen to page at that time. Um, so I name songs out of... I usually pick the the most captivating phrase in the song, or I pick something thematic um, that that can tie into it. Um, I know that when it comes to the record that we're going to put out next, I already have like a list of song titles because I'm naming them after um, different like uh, comic book storylines that I've that I've read or, or something that comes from a book of some sort or film, just like different media that I enjoy and like kind of putting that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I think that would be fun and just, just to try it out, you know, totally. uh, yeah. B- Bane did a very similar thing where um, they did a series, they did like a seven inch um that you can't find on streaming services. And I'm pretty sure you can only listen to it if you have one of the seven inches. Um, but they released it through different, uh, through like an e- through like a different record label on each like of the major in the major like continents around the world, like the major markets rather. 
uh, around the world. And every song was named after um, a soap opera. So you had like Young and the Restless on there and stuff like that. And it was, they were all named after that. And I was like, oh, that's, that's brilliant. That's really cool. Because then you can like theme something around that without writing about Young and the Restless or like, you know, Days of Our Lives or whatever. Right. So it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting. I do like the idea of like, when you hear something, because yeah, when you said like you read something, oh, that's cool. I'll write a song about that. I'm like, oh yeah, I've never mm-hmm. thought about doing it that way. But realizing that I actually have done it that way and that could be anything from like, um, you know, there there's a, a new song that we're working on for Endgame where I want to title the um, the song Foes for Life. And mm-hmm. it that came from like um, us, like we were... We were playing in Toronto for the first time, so it's like, let's do a Drake sample. That's funny, right? <laughs> sure. So, uh, you know, then I just go down the the rabbit hole of all like the the Drake meme ology and and all those yeah. kind of things. And there was a it was like a skit on SNL where like Pete Davidson like said something kind of like not even rude, but just like kind of like poked fun at him a little bit. And then he wrote right. an entire like diss track about Pete Davidson. Um, it's My pretty God. cringy, but like one of the last lines, he's like, now we're foes for life. And I thought that was just like, oh, I really like how that like rolls off the tongue. Um, but even the <laughs> why behind that song, like has a lyrically changed a lot where it's like, we're still going to use that line, but instead of it being like, um something that's like pointed externally at someone else it's more like you know let's write it yes exactly like being at war with yourself or or something Mm -hmm. like that so yeah um i do like the idea of just being able to pull from other um passions and creative things and then making more creative stuff on top of that i think that's really cool yeah and i'm also like trying to do that the opposite way where like i'm you know i the thing that I want to do as a career is write comic books. Like that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so like in my, on my days off and in whatever spare time I get, sometimes I'm up till like, you know, three in the morning after I get off work, just writing something, Mm -hmm. uh, writing some sort of script. And, um, I'll be, I'll be writing a script and then I'm like, okay, I need to give this character like, you know, a cool like title. If it's like a hero book, then I, I use like a band name. So like I have a character created that's just called magnitude. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, I was like, right. that's dope. And then I look and see like if there are any major characters that I might get sued <laughs> for, <laughs> for like for utilizing. But then I go, right. okay, they don't have the copyright on the word magnitude, so I can just still use that. You know, stuff yeah. like that. So Nor I'm, does I'm like, the actual band magnitude probably have the copyright right. of their own band name. <laughs> Nor exactly. would they give a fuck about doing that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, but either way, like it's it's little things like that, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like I I pull from from there and I put, you know, I put that into like my my comics, wherever, wherever it may fit as like an Easter egg or like, you know, like I I was telling a a friend of mine uh, who's going to be doing some like mock up art for me. um, I was like, yeah, so in this scene. You know, it'd be cool if like, you know, they walk into the apartment and, you know, one guy's wearing like a Bane shirt, you know, just like little, little stuff like that. Or I was reading an issue of Batgirls. I think it was like Batgirls number one or two mm-hmm. uh, that came out of a number of months ago. And um, the artist is a big, uh, like hardcore person, or at least comes from that world. So right. in there, it said like, you know, 
there must be a firestorm to purify. And it said that like in big art, right. artistic lettering on like a sign. Very cool. And um, I, I saw it and then Drew from Time and Pressure saw it and he had put like, a TikTok about it. And the artist, or can't remember exactly who it was. I think it might, may have been the artist or one of the, the folks on the creative team, regardless, responded was just like, yo, I'm glad someone caught that because Earth Crisis rules. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yes. Even like, dude, even like the, the VP of, of Marvel Comics is like a hardcore kid. Mm-hmm. And like, I listen to like his podcast all the time and he's just like, yo, check out New York hardcore comics. It's really cool. Like <laughs> go check that out. Like, you know, or yeah. occasionally he'll, he'll drop like a little, like, Oh yeah. Like in, in this comic, you know, it would have been, Oh man, it would have been so cool if he was wearing a Chrome edge or something like that. And I'm like, right. yeah, see, thank you. Like mm-hmm. it's, it, there's, there's the, the pipeline there. <laughs> yeah. I, I love just the subtle nods that, you know, anything um, can give to that more underground music. And so that's yeah. broadening it a lot. Um, but super recently I watched all of the, the first season uh, of Metabots again, cause that's one of my yeah. favorite, like, I, I guess, would you call that like an American anime? I guess probably. Yeah. 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 But like, I don't know, growing up when I was watching that, like Meta B was just like my shit. I just love the idea that there was this, robot companion that goes and would shoot missiles out of his head. (laughs) Um, But I was rewatching it and there was uh, there's a scene where it's like some characters like drinking a coffee or something as as they have some kind of monologue and I like straight up like I paused it. I'm like, is that a fucking like Wu-Tang Clan symbol on the coffee cup? And then I like go you like Googling to try to find it and then there's another time where it's like during uh, one of the episodes from like one of the tournament turn- tournaments where that same mm-hmm. Wu Tang Clan uh, logo is on like the back of someone's shirt. That's and, really cool. You know, and and it was like only the the article was only like a year old as far as like discovering that and then the you know the people that made that show because that show is like old as fuck at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like it's really cool as you know as people who are in certain roles to be able to like, you know, add these subtle nods. Like I'm sure that there's like certain things on the, the Marvel comic side, like you said, where it's like, yeah, like we should just have this guy wearing a band shirt. Like why the fuck not? Yeah. Um, so I think that's like really, really cool. Um, I think we can use this as the, um, the natural transition into talking about some of the comic stuff that, that you're mm-hmm. passionate about as well. Absolutely. Um, I'm ready so, for this hour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, straight up. I remember when, uh, you know, I'll shout out Luke from First Day Out. When I knew that he was like mm-hmm. a major Pokemon head like myself, it's like, okay, yeah. so are you okay to talk about your about hardcore for an hour and then Pokemon for an hour? It's like, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I feel like this is the comic book hour yes. coming up. Um, absolutely. So you mentioned as far as the very first comic that you got and that started to like open mm-hmm. up your minds. Um, what, like, when did like writing your own comics and like the, the idea or thought of, of, Hey, this is more of a, this is, this is a passion right now, but I want to take it to that next level eventually and and how you're working towards that. You know, it's something that I've messed, I've, I've thought about here and there since high school, but I just never talked, I never talked about it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, because there was a, a time where I wanted to be an audio engineer and I was in audio engineering school. 
but then I was like, I don't know. Do I want to deal with like pain in the ass musicians all the time? And I said, no, every audio engineer is like, <laughs> I'm still thinking that. <laughs> yo, yo. And for real, you know, if you, if you're in that, in that, you know, line of work, bless you because my God, um, I wouldn't want to deal with me, you know, in the studio. I wouldn't want to uh, deal with me as either. is dude. I mean, so, I mean, just, just to kind of hit on the new record real quick, we wrote Please. and produced the, the record ourselves. Um, in a studio that's at uh, like Ben's parents' place, because like, his dad does audio and is a musician and used to do live sound and you know has like a little recording studio, um, poolside recording, poolside studios. Um, but either way, uh, we wrote it and recorded it there. And Ben is a brilliant, a brilliant young audio engineer. He's he's he knows the, his way around a, a studio. Um, but for me, I was like, when we were doing all the vocals, I think I did a total of like 250 or 260 different vocal takes. Cause I was like dead insistent that each line be the best version of itself. Right. So there was, there were times where I would be, it would be like 15 minutes of doing one particular line before I said, no, I, I can't do this right now. And then like, would be like, I'm taking a 10 minute break and then like leave. Eventually, we got to a point where if I didn't do it in five takes, he goes, "You want to take five? And I'd be like, "Yeah, <laughs> you know." Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna drink some green tea and honey, and then get back at this. Right, and then it ended up being fine, but I wouldn't want to deal with me in studio, you know. So um, after that, I was kind of like, I was kind of at a loss for a long time. I was still like, "Oh God, what do I want to do? I'm in my 20s now. What do I want to do?" Like, like everyone thinks, and um, you know, I. I have kind of gone up and down with comics because like they're as any comic book reader will tell you, there are times that, especially if they're reading weekly, monthly, all that kind of stuff, there are storylines that come to you as so ridiculous that you're just like, I'm good. You know, in the nineties, a lot of people that loved Spider-Man dealt with him becoming a clone and having a clone and more clones. And then that being Spider-Man for a while, and all that kind of stuff, something that was should have taken six months that turned into like two and a half years across four different Spider-Man titles. Oh God. <laughs> and turned into the clone saga. And that like put people away from Spider-Man for a long time. Totally. And in some, in some cases, people just stopped reading comics altogether and then came back like 15 years later to be like, okay, what's happening now? Because right. they were just so upset. Right. And you know, like I get it, but for me, it was more so just like life was happening. And, you know, I just couldn't keep up. Um, so I got back into it, you know, about like five, or six years ago. Uh, and then oh, ever since then, it's just been more and more and more and more like engrossing in terms of just how passionate I am about it. Mm-hmm. So over the last year or two, I've been writing comic scripts, um, you know, toying with different ideas. I try to at least if I don't bust out like a script every few days or every week, then I'm, you know, writing out like, okay, well, if I was given a, what if for Marvel and it's like, okay, what's a, what if for you? And I bet, okay, cool. Off the top of my head. Um, instead of, you know, Dr. Octopus taking over Spider-Man's body, he takes over, Mr. Fantastic. So then he has more brain power and all this other kind of stuff. And then 
Mm. Uh, I have to get Dr. Doom to fight him and stuff like that. You know, just like little dumb things like that where I'm just like, okay, like I'm, I'm picking up these toys and I'm taking them on their own adventure, but I have to put them back where I found them. Mm. And that's okay. what it's like when you're having to write Batman or Spider-Man or Daredevil. You have to return them to status quo, uh, as, as it were. Unless you get permission from uh, you know, somebody else to screw with it, but then everyone's yeah, mad at you. The story needs to um, be siloed, essentially. Exactly. It needs yeah. to. It needs to have. It needs to have closure and return your character to where you found him. Right. Um, and you know, like it's often described as like you know, again, you pick up the action figures, you play with them, you take them on an adventure, but then you put them right back where you found them. Mm-hmm. Um, in in better or usually worse shape than they were in before. Sure. Um, so that when the next guy comes in, the next kid comes in to like, you know, play with these figures, you know, then there you go. Mm. Um, but over the past couple of years, it's been something that I've, that I've been like, I've always been able to write. I've always been able to write fairly well. Um, it's something that I'm confident in is, is my storytelling ability. I tell stories in my songs um, and I think that it's, you know, I've had a lot of practice in writing when it comes to songwriting over the years. Um, you know, I used to have notebooks like this thick, just filled with lyrics and poems and stories and things like that, that were just ramblings and writings and lyrics and stuff that were either used or not used in various forms. And I just decided, okay, you know what? Like if I could, if I could write comics, then that would be, probably the best for me um, because it's, you know, hardcore and comics are the two constants since I was, you know, in, in over the past 10 years, mm. um, you know, comic characters longer. Cause you know, you're a kid and you know, you like Batman, the animated series and X-Men, the animated series, and you will always have those theme songs in your head. But, you know, after that, everything just snowballs. Um, Do you think that um, just the overall like storytelling aspect of like writing comics, has that improved your like lyric, um, you know, writing as well? Cause it's, it definitely is something where it's like, it's very easy just to like to brain dump on a piece of paper and and put it with some hard riffs, but it's like, do these words, like do these make sense essentially mm-hmm. so like obviously with like storytelling you have to think of like you know some setup some conflict and then a resolution you know that's yeah. your typical you know arc of of any kind of story or you know uh storytelling aspect but and writing you know, music a- is very much the same for me right yeah you know, it, it has to have a very definitive beginning middle and end mm-hmm. um you know and and, you know, like a lot of, a lot of musicians are, you know, say that you know, like the bridge is the bitch as they say, you know, and that's like writing, you know, intent, intent. That's like your intentional conflict in, in a story is like, okay, what, you know, it's like, it's like, who is your main character? Um, you know, what is it that makes them unique? What's the obstacle that's in their way? What is it that they try that causes them to fail? And what is it that they ultimately do that will help them overcome that obstacle and get them from point A to point B? Right. 
Um, and that's, and for me, writing music is very much the same. Like where are we starting? What key are we starting to write in? Um, it, does it have intent? Like, is it urgent? Is it moving? Um, you know, can you take it? Can, can you take me places emotionally um, inside of like, you know, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes? Mm-hmm. Um, like, can you take me to an emotional place and then kind of, you know, drop me off safe and sound thereafter um, and have it be like, you know, maybe not mind blowing, but just like satisfied in some way. Like, right. can you, can you take me on a, on an adventure? You know, uh, whether that be emotional or whether can you, you know, can you put me in this character's shoes, you know, in terms of comics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And if, if a, uh, <laughs> when it comes to comic books, if a comic can like end and you're just like, or, or something happens and you get pissed off at a character, that's good writing because you mm-hmm. care because yeah. you care. Because um, you're engrossed in the story. The same cannot be said for music though. <laughs> if a song True. makes you upset because of like a choice that like the, you know, the, the music made, it's like, Oh, it's, it's still subjective. But like, there are some songs that like, you know, there, there have been some records over the, over the past couple of years that like, they just don't end the song hmm. properly. Like it'd be like, da 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 and this kind of just sits there. And then I feel like I held in his knees. You know, it's kind of just like there's there's something there, and then you just ended it. And I was like, right, why? <laughs> I'm like, no, right. you can't just not end this. You know what I mean? It's like it's, you know, that's a pet peeve of mine. But you know, the yeah. same could be said for that to to a comic book though. So I don't know. yeah, um, I'm going I... all over the place, but no, 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 I I I think that's a very interesting you know difference as far as like how music and, and comic books don't coincide because I do. I do think that there are definitely times where when I listen to a brand new band or a brand new record of a band that I love, Mm -hmm. if I don't, if the song doesn't catch me the first listen, I feel like younger me would be like, oh, like, oh, this record is trash or like lost it or whatever. But now, now I'm so like, okay, I need to re-listen to this 10 times over to understand why they did that. Mm -hmm. And the, the example that's coming to mind and only because I watched uh, a Hit Five Six uh, set of theirs. Uh, one of my favorite bands of all time uh, is Kublai Khan. Uh, Kublai Khan TX, as as you yeah, Kublai Khan TX, yeah. Um, when they dropped, um, uh, not their newest EP, but Absolute, and there's like the end breakdown um, for Absolute, and it's just drums and bass. It pissed me off so much when I first listened to it. I'm like, wait, you're just going to end with drums and bass and not like a guitar, like, you know, on the last note or, you know, add it in halfway through. Yeah. But it, it, it actually like upset me as a huge fan of that band. Wow. And then over time I realized I'm like, you know, Matt would say live, he's like drums and bass, that's all you need. And I'm like, you know what? You're kind of right. So I think with music, it, they're definitely, you're totally right that it's, you know, quality is subject to, to everyone and so many people can just shit on any of their bands that they like or bands that they don't like. Yeah. Um I do think that there is there's probably like 10 different ways that you can end your hardcore song 
yeah. but there's like probably like one or two actual good ways of doing that. And there's like yes. certain ways. And, you know, so that all goes into songwriting and, you know, even mm-hmm. having a producer or someone doing that. Um, yeah. But I like the comparison, like you said, if like, if you feel like if it irks you with how a song, a song feels incomplete or like they just like, you know, didn't come down at the last minute versus yeah. uh, a comic that can really like, you know, that that's a totally different gambit. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because if you don't end your comic, well, you will get shit on for the rest of your life. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> like, um, there, there's a comic book writer that I really look up to. Uh, his name is Dan Slott. Uh, he was on Spider-Man for 10 and a half years. Uh, oh. From like to the end of, towards the end of 2007 until like 2018. He was, he was the writer on Spider-Man. Um, and he's, he's done like, he's written episodes of like Spider-Man cartoons, you know, in the, in the interim and stuff like that. And he's going back to writing another Spider-Man book pretty soon. I'm really excited about that, but um, you know, something that he is, that he was hated for was he killed Peter Parker. He killed Peter Parker. But the thing is comics, nobody stays dead. That's just how it goes. Nobody stays dead. They, there's always a way to bring them back. Right. Um, but people still get pissed because you, you hurt my Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but you know, th- they killed him, and then, you know, well, they killed him. Uh, because Dr. Octopus had switched consciousness. It sounds so stupid, but it worked so well in the comic book. He swapped his consciousness with Peter Parker's body. So it was Dr. Otto Octavius in Peter Parker's very strong and capable body, but his was like deteriorating and mm. like he was going to be a mind trapped in a body. Um, I don't know if you played the Spider-Man PS4 game, but that's kind of what it's based upon. Uh, oh, at least that, yeah, yeah. that, that aspect ne- of it never played but would watch the cinematic front to back on youtube oh, multiple my times god it is what an incredible that is game. the best representation of that character that there has ever been what in not my, spider-man in my 3 opinion. no just kidding <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like oh the little goblin jr you're gonna cry <laughs> you're gonna cry <laughs> yeah um Dude. no i i totally um, agree um severely yeah. underrated game um God, which is so good which brings me to a very interesting question because i feel yes. like anything within the comic book world the 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 nerd the nerdism the nerd of, sphere yeah the nerd sphere what is a character that you are like desperately waking waiting to have some kind of you know, TV, movie, some kind of adaptation that's a little bit more like, I can't believe that they haven't done this yet. And Ooh. what and what is one that you're like, don't you dare touch this character? And the reason that I want you to hit on both is because as someone that like is born and bred on Halo, as soon as it was like, oh, there's that a- That series sucks. Dude, I that straight TV up was like, sucks. I refused to watch it because I heard so many bad things and I just- can't bear witness to like one of my most beloved characters like that i hate saying that things we're going mobile but like fucking (laughs) oh let's go that's my guy yeah i got my hand that's my guy yeah Um, (laughs) but yeah so what's a character that you're like i'm really excited 
if this, I, I would, I would put money, put my own money into making sure that this person gets a proper debut. And what is one that you're like, just don't touch, don't, don't touch to this person. That's a really good question because like they've done a lot of good stuff and they're starting to dig into like the, the C and D list characters. Like they greenlit like a, a wonder man project at Marvel, which he's like so weird. Um, <laughs> but, but, but definitely interesting. Um, I mean, so the Titans show is serviceable. I really enjoy like the first two seasons of it. Third season, I feel like kind of rushed up a storyline that I would have rather they would have taken better care of. Mm. But they have Nightwing, and Nightwing is my G. That, that's my guy right there. Nightwing's your uh, G. <laughs> Dick Grayson, the first Robin, you know, leaves Batman and becomes his own vigilante, you know, character called Nightwing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for those who, who, you know, aren't familiar, Nightwing is, you know, founding member of the Teen Titans. And um, I love Teen Titans in general. I love the Titans. But um, the creator of the, well, not the creator, but someone who is very, very much the creator of the Nightwing persona of Dick Grayson and a lot of the other Titans characters that we all know, like Cyborg and Raven and Beast Boy and stuff like that from being kids. Uh, one of the creators, uh, one of the co-creators, Marv Wolfman, he shops at my comic book store. Hmm. Um, and th- this dude is just like, he created Blade too. <laughs> I'm like, yo, wait, god. hold on. That's yeah, this dude, is, this dude is God incarnate, man. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I look up to him quite a bit. Well, um, your total will be 23, 40. <laughs> <laughs> dude, no, he gets free shit at our, at our shop. He, he and the, the owner are, are pretty, are pretty tight. Gotcha. So he, he came in one day when he's, he's always coming in when I'm not there. And I'm oh. like, so, so I have a crisis on infinite earth number one that I am having my pull box waiting for him to sign when he shows up <laughs> because my God, I need that. Um, but he, he showed up and like, we have a bunch of Funko pops and stuff at our, at our store. And he, um, I'll finish this tangent real quick, but he, no, he came please. by and he grabbed like all of the Titans that we had, except for Robin. He's, he, okay. and, and he was like, I didn't work with Robin. I worked with Nightwing. <laughs> He's like, but I created all these other characters. And I was like, oh, yeah. my God. Yes, thank you. My God. Um, Super cool. Well, that was my reaction when a co-worker told me that he said that. But right. either way, I wish I was in the room uh, at that point. But, um, but either way, Nightwing, I think, would be really he – would, he would work really well in a solo adventure. Um, he's the protector of the neighboring city to Gotham called Bloodhaven. Um, he has his own rogues gallery. That's not as well known as Batman's, but you know, it it would be cool to see him have his own solo adventure, get cameos of other characters from the bat family as it is like red hood and Batgirl and stuff like that. I would love to see him portrayed more than he has been. Um, in just one Titans show as it is. That's it. Or like cameo in like, you know, Batman animated movies. But if they, if they did him proper justice, I think it would be cool. The actor that plays him in Titans is really good, but I feel like he needs a solo adventure. That's not riding on other Titans. Right. 
but I mean, it's really hard to pick one that's like that they that I'm like, oh my god, they haven't done that yet. Because you know, my the big one that I'm always like, yo, you got to do them right, and then they did in TV show, and that's Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. Daredevil. I mean, like this dude lives on my desk. This dude. I mean, he still lives on my desk. <laughs> I, I love Daredevil, man. Like, he's awesome. Um, and Charlie Cox does a fantastic job with Matt Murdock a- as he is. Um, and it's one that if they do it wrong, then I get really, really sad about. Um, shout out Ben Affleck. <laughs> but <laughs> might have done uh, a better Batman, but definitely he, he did. He did a better Batman, but he also had like dog shit for a script yeah um and he was being directed by somebody who doesn't understand the fundamentals of superman or batman right i mean like he like he read like a handful of comics and was like okay yeah i can do this and then destroyed everything um all the folks that are just like writing for the snyder verse and stuff like that i'm like you're the most punishing people on the internet <laughs> Um, you don't you don't understand <laughs> yeah. so so no character specifically that you're like i don't i feel like this character means too much to me to even risk the 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 aspect of bringing them into no because you know you know it's like i'm not i'm not anti-adaptation mm-hmm. um i do think that there are some there are aspects to characters that work better in comic books than they do in in tv and and vice versa or uh, in movies and vice versa um like for instance oh damn i don't want to go into spoilers the show just ended (laughs) which which show uh ms marvel oh i have not seen that so okay then I, i will refrain from talking about that but there are pieces of her background that were revealed in the show that work better here in the in the mcu than they do in comic books because if she was introduced as this thing in comic books it would not have had the same impact that it did there Mm -hmm. if she were introduced as something else in in the the tv show or if she were introduced as as an inhuman as she is in the comic books it would not work in the mcu because they tried an inhumans production and it sucked horribly um that being said i hope they never do inhuman stuff ever again because the inhumans are not fun or interesting um (laughs) and it's like dude like just just let it go (laughs) let it go um i think um the one character that had its own show that i'm like i don't know if this would work in um in like a live action kind of setting and and I don't know if it would even if it, if it's even worth doing if they sh- shit the bed with it and then it kind of tarnishes that whole name is um if they did like a Batman Beyond like live right so um, that's my own part I don't know if you have any thoughts on that so I, I I do I do um if they did a live action Batman Beyond I don't know if I it's not that it's too precious it's that it's not precious to me so I, I grew up with Batman, the animated series, the, the first right. one it was on, it was reruns, but that's what I watched. And as I watched Batman beyond, I liked it, but I was like, but it's not Bruce. 
And that when I was a kid, it's just because it wasn't Bruce Wayne. Right. As I get older, the more I think the idea of somebody else becoming Batman full time, it's happened before in the comics, but Bruce always comes back. Right. Because it's comic books and you can't, you know, completely disconnect it from one character for too long. Otherwise people are going to get all pissed for some apparent reason. But for me, I think that the, the ideology of being the Batman lives and dies with Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. because the, you know, when, when he had Dick Grayson as his first Robin, he became Nightwing and Nightwing is the spiritual successor to what, to Batman's mission, you know, believes in the same things has a, you know, just as much of a messed up background, but he, he isn't hindered by his adherence to the mission and his, and his, you know, obsession with leaving the world a better place than you found it and things like that. Um, he he's much more lighthearted and he empathizes with, with people as much without just being just like, you're sick in the head and you need to be locked up. You know, it's like, get out of here. You know, it's like, you know, that's one thing about Batman that I'm like, okay, you know, let's, let's chill out. Right. You know, and that's what Nightwing represents. And I think that's perfect. Every other character is distinct, you know, that they have something that ties them to Batman, but makes them very different from him. When Terry McGinnis shows up and then he just starts being Batman, I'm like, Ooh. you know, like it, it was a great show. It was a fantastic show. But like, I just think that the, that Batman lives and dies with Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And, and that like the mission carries on in all these other different characters and stuff, but to go and call yourself the Batman permanently from a certain point out, um, with Bruce Wayne nev- not returning to that character or not, not returning to be like, okay, I'm back in the suit. I'm Batman. Thanks for keeping my seat warm, but right. You know, respectfully get out, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sure. um, you know, it, it happened in the comics. Bane broke Batman's back. And for a long time, it was this character, Azrael, John Paul Valley that took over as Batman. But then Bruce Wayne came back, his, his back healed up and then he was fine. Then he came back. Right. Bada bang. I'm back. Right. Uh, Dick Grayson was Batman for a while, but even then he was like, nah, I don't know. You know, it was a great story, but you know, finite amount of issues. And then Bruce Wayne's back as Batman. Yeah. So no, I, I can get behind that, that whole take. Like yeah. I haven't watched that show in a long, long time, but I think it was, and maybe it's a bit of like rose colored glasses as far as like, Oh, the slick thin black and red. Yeah. And, it, Batman. and the suit is rad. It looks yeah. cool and it makes for totally. a great action figure. Totally. Uh, and it was um, a really yeah. fun series, but you know, yeah, it's just yeah, my maybe take on it. I'm definitely going to give it a rewatch and then maybe you and I can, uh, can do some notes. Yes. 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 I'm always down for that. Um, um you know, uh, speaking of real quick of Batman, the animated series, there is a please. line that has always stood out to me and it's one of the best written in all of television. If I'm being in my personal opinion, and it was from an episode called Heart of Ice. Um, and it's one that everyone talks about because it's a brilliant episode. And it gave a, a fun new origin. Well, not fun, but like a new origin that worked for Mr. Freeze, who was just like this weird character before then. It made him very somber and serious and, you know, kind of gave stakes to why he is this way and an origin to how he has to live in this sub-zero suit. 
And, you know, the thing is that he's, he's cold down to his core. That's and in that, and it, they talk about it in an emotional way versus mm-hmm. just physical. Um, and Batman is talking to him. And he's telling him like, Hey, we don't have to do this. Like we can, we can t- team up and we can help your, your wife, Nora and find a cure. And just the line delivery alone, I won't do like an impression because I don't want to like ruin it. <laughs> but hmm. Mr. Free says, I, you know, I would be moved to tears if I still had tears left to shed. Hmm. And ever since then, I've been like, if I write anything that's even close to that, then I will have made it. Right. Um, I was so fully I, expecting uh, you to do the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what killed, killed the, the dinosaurs? dinosaurs? The Ice, the ice, ice Age! <laughs> <laughs> I love how that's the, the go-to line that we both went for there. Um, yeah, but it's, it's either that or, or everybody chill. Everybody like, chill. Get out of here, man. And they kept the same um, origin, but they just hammed them up. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. That that whole movie is, is ham to no end. It was a McDonald's um, commercial is what that <laughs> was. <laughs> it was a McDonald's and a MasterCard commercial for being completely Oh, honest. yeah, exactly. Yeah, the back credit card. <laughs> um so that's gonna that's gonna take us to one of our our last questions before we head towards the close here jay um Mm -hmm. top three most butchered comic book characters in cinema tv show who who did who got done dirty the most in your opinion superman superman and man of steel superman in Batman versus that, that's Superman. That's the in that's the um the keyed out mustache Superman, right? That was in uh Joss Whedon's version of Justice League, the theatrical oh, okay. cut. Gotcha. That was also pretty rough. But it's because <laughs> it's because Superman is a bright figure. He's someone who is from a distant place that he came to to Earth because you know, his home was dying and he was sent here by his parents and he was taken in by, uh, by, by the Kents and, you know, like he, he was given a home and treated as one of their own. And the world also just treated him as one of his own as well, because it also wasn't known that he was from somewhere else. Cause he looked like everybody, mm-hmm. but he knows that like with all of this, you know, power that he has, he wants to give back to the world that has accepted him as, as its son. And, you know, in that comes a a, a figure of of hope. There's this series on uh, the CW called uh, Superman and Lois. And that gets Superman pretty right. Um, You know, like his, his mother makes him this suit out of this material that was given that was that he was found with in his like little rocket pod that crash landed in the middle of Smallville, Kansas. And, uh, you know, puts like the big S on there, you know, it's, it's there and she makes the suit. He takes off and he like saves this car from crashing. And this kid goes, Hey, uh, thank you. But I like your suit. And he goes, thanks man. My mom made it for me and just takes off. <laughs> And I'm like, that's Superman, dude. Like right. he, he's, he's kind and he's, he's hope he provides hope, you know, 
in in Man of Steel, it's like this brooding character who is like, what the fuck, man? Like, like you know, instead of th- this is a person with like the most strength in the world, right. <laughs> you know, in our gal- in our solar system, and he instead of just pointing Zod's face away from people that are about to get like burned to death by his gaze, he snaps his neck. Like that's not what Superman does. Superman would just point in the opposite direction and then take him somewhere else. <laughs> like he, right. would, he would he would find a solution versus punch the problem. Then right. I said I have a TikTok that I talk about comic book stuff on all the time. But in a recent video I said like hey like he wants to find a solution to the problem. He doesn't want to punch it. Right. Um, and that's what I like a lot about like the, the, the Richard, Don- the Richard Donner. Oh my God. I'm going to butcher that if I'm wrong. Um, but in, in the Donner movies and in um, Superman returns when I was like a kid, he didn't throw a single punch in them, but he was helping people and he was finding right. solutions to problems. And there's some questionable things in it, but I'm like, that, I grew up thinking that was Superman. You read the comics? Yep, that's Superman. Right. You know, so so he was done dirty there. Uh, Daredevil it, was done pretty dirty in that 2003 movie. Yeah. Um. To to, to quickly go back to Superman, like it, Superman is top top three superheroes characters in fiction or characters. Yeah. 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 So it's like, yeah, it's. This is how I feel uh, as as being just like uh, such a Star Wars fan where it's like, yes, just terrible, like feeling so like, how could you grab like, how could Disney acquire one of the biggest IPs of all time and just like absolutely butcher it? And like as someone who like grew up on the prequels and like, like anyone that talks shit on the prequels, I'm like, oh, well, like, let's compare them to the Disney movies. And like, bro, how dope was Kenobi, though, dude? Um, I want to, I want to plug, oh God, what is, I'm just going to pl- I want to make sure that I, I plug this. I rewatched Kenobi, but it is a two and a half oh, hour. It's, it's a two and a half hour movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I want to shout out, um, the Patterson cut for putting that yes. together. It is. I like, have a bookmarked on my phone. I need to bookmark. I need to send, send the link over to my computer so I can actually watch it, but I'm really excited yeah. about that. The actual like show itself uh, is is very very good. Um, I feel like any movie or any TV series has its own set of issues, mm-hmm. um, but the Patterson cut I feel like fixes a lot of those things where either things felt rushed, things felt a little like, like <laughs> you know the the uh, the the chase scene in episode one like entirely gets xnade. So like just little things like that, um, but going back to what you're saying, like Superman, like is a household name. Everyone knows who Superman is. So yeah, I think there have been certain things that have like built it up, but yeah, man of steel was like a, a stinker and a half for sure. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when, when I watch it and I turn my brain off and forget what I know about Superman, <laughs> I, I think it's all right. You know, I think it's fine, but uh, I don't know. I just feel like it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't understand the fundamentals of what Superman and Clark Kent mean. Right. Um, and, and what they were, and what he was created to mean. 
Mm. You know, he's, he's a symbol of, of hope. And, you know, he's like, I, if a world is, is oppressed, I stand against it. Mm. Um, I'd rather find some sort of solution that can end that problem because, you know, bullets bounce off the guy, but if someone like shoots him, he's not just going to like throw him across the world or throw him into the next galaxy or whatever he can do. You know, he's, you know, someone shoots a bounce off him. He goes, why'd you do that? Like, <laughs> let's dig into this real quick. What, right. about, what about me makes you think that if you shoot me and it bounces off, what do you think is going to happen? Right. Let's figure this out. You know, like right. he's not just going to start just beating on the guy. You know yeah. what I mean? This he, is that, not that, injustice. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So even then, man like, of steel, you know, uh, original daredevil movie. Or, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that was, that was not, not good. Um, I liked that they, in that movie, they gave a lot of nods and Easter eggs toward other comic book creators that have worked on daredevil. Mm-hmm. But the movie still sucked <laughs> in 2003. I thought it was awesome, but I was also a child in 2003. <laughs> right. You know, I watch yeah. it now and I'm like, Oh, I can't sit through that at all. Um, um, what's the third man? There's a lot of stinkers, man. Um, <laughs> I think that, uh, um, honestly, it's a sticking with the Snyder stuff. Uh, you know, it, as much of an offense to, to Batman as, uh, Batman and Robin is, as a movie, it doesn't come close to Batman's portrayal and how brutal he was in um, Batman versus Superman. Cause he was, he was straight up killing people. <laughs> yeah. The, he's straight up like murdering people. And he's also like, he's, you know, he's capturing people and branding them with a bat logo, which is kind of hard, but like, it's not Batman. Batman doesn't do that. You know, like, right. <laughs> he sends them on their way and that's it. Mess. Right. Cleaned up, you know, mm-hmm. onto the next one. Right. Um, and that's where I think the recent movie, the Batman gets Batman. Like he's, he's, he's brawling and like, yeah, he's, people are landing some cheap shots on him, but he's still kind of new to the game. But like he's putting on a detective hat and saying like, okay, like let's let's figure this out because I can't just punch my way through this, right? And that's what he says at the end of the movie. He's like, I can't just invoke fear into people. Like I have to, I have to show like, okay, I I am here to stand for these people. You know, I'm I'm here to protect them against you know these these you know awful people that have you know turned me into this i don't want other people to become me that's why he takes on robins it's not for another soldier to participate in the mission he says that but it's not but he doesn't mean it exactly that way he says like i i i train them and like yeah i i get i'm very stubborn but ultimately i want them to grow up to become better than me Mm -hmm. i want them to be better than me and if they aren't then i then i failed 
And he's like, I failed my parents. And that's like his whole thing. Even though he was 10 when they got murdered, he's like, I could have done something. But it's like, no, you couldn't. You're 10. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, it, it's, it, it's that he wants them to be, to be better than him. You know, it's not this whole, you know, like he's not just being overly brutal for the sake of being overly brutal. Mm-hmm. Everyone likes to see a good fight, but in Batman versus Superman, he grapple hooks a, a crate that's like a heavy crate. He slings at somebody and you see like their blood just go all over the back of a wall and then they're dead. And it's like, he's not going to do that. No, he doesn't do that. He, he'll right. knock somebody out and then just be like, all right, they'll, they'll, they'll whatever, fuck them. You know, and then go on and, and chase whatever is happening. But yeah, he he was not treated with care. Um, mm-hmm. And those are pretty obvious examples, but that's because, like, you know, uh, a lot of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe tends to understand their characters, even when they change them. Like Thor in Ragnarok and Thor in. Uh, the back part of Endgame and in the most recent Thor Love and Thunder, that's not the Thor that you read in the comics. Thor is a very serious and not exactly stoic and like standing like a statue figure, but he's serious, you know, like right. if he's hurt, he's hurt and he, you know, sits with it. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, he's making all kinds of hammy jokes and stuff like that. And I turn my brain off a little bit when I watch it, but I have a lot more, a lot better of a time watching that than I do Batman versus Superman or Man of Steel. Right. You know, um, so they're not really doing that character dirty as much as just like, well, it's, we're making this work for what our tone is here. Right. And that's different than misunderstanding a character completely. Totally. Yeah, um, I, I think that's a great way to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Some people can agree with me and that's fine, but whatever. <laughs> um, rapid fire last couple questions and then we'll mm-hmm. uh, close it out. Um, best hulk movie best hulk Hulk adaptation yeah best adaptation of of the hulk rapid fire rapid fire okay uh uh my mind always goes to ang lee's hulk in 2003 um it looks really weird and he looks oddly smooth (laughs) but to me that was like that's when i looked at a comic book that's what i saw so i still think of you know, he, he gets angry, he rages out, and he's, like, throwing tanks across the mm-hmm. desert, which is kind of right. dope. So, right. I like that a lot. Yeah, I I feel like that is one of the saving grace scenes of, of that movie, where he's just throwing tanks across the desert. <laughs> it's dope. Um, it was awesome in the video game, too. Best uh, Spider-Man adaptation? Uh, if we're not counting the the video game, then... Into the Spider Verse. Okay. Into the Spider Verse. I was not expecting that answer, but yeah. It, it it's it's the it's the entirety of like taking, you know, this this person who's discovering their ability, you know. But the thing is that they're it's not handholdy in the sense that like, oh well, there's this other Spider Man he can teach me. It's more like he's providing them these like little like these little lessons, you know, to, to young miles. And he's just like, okay, now what you're going to do is you're, when you launch your web, you're going to thwip it out. And I love yeah. that he says that because in the comic books, whenever he launches a web, it says thwip. It's just yeah. a little thing. And it's, it's a brilliant and lovely movie. And it's all about just being like, Hey, like, you know, 
we're happy to be here, but ultimately it's going to come down to you. And that's right. the, and that's Spider-Man. It comes down to him. It's comes down to Spider-Man, whether, regardless of which character it is deciding to <laughs> take this power that he has and, and do something with it, do something positive with it. Um, whether it be out of guilt or out of like, I need to do this. Right. Or out of like the call. And I think that movie does it brilliant. Yeah. Uh, not what I, I was expecting to, you know, to go between the, the Garfield, the, the Holland and the, uh, and Toby uh, and Toby. But, uh, I like that. I like, I like, I like Garfield's approach to, to Peter Parker. He sounds like Peter Parker to me, mm-hmm. but Tom Holland is Peter Parker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He is um, Spider-Man. Okay. So this is the last rapid fire question. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's more, I know it's both because they're their own things, but if you had to put up these two, um, I guess lores or shows, mm-hmm. which one is better? The boys or invincible apples and oranges. Um, it's really tough. We've gotten more boy, more of the boys because animation yeah. takes longer. Um, I enjoy invincible in terms of both the comic book and the show more than I do both iterations of the boys because the mm-hmm. comic book is even more grotesque and brutal than the show is. Yeah. The show, I can't, it's not tame, but if you read like a few issues of the comic book, there's a podcast I was listening to. Um, and the, and someone was talking about the boys comic and it's like, yeah, but this came out 15 years ago. Stop saying spoilers and stuff like that. <laughs> and someone goes, okay, if you're reading the boys comic book, like what kind of a sociopath are you? <laughs> because it is ridiculous. Right. Shout out Garth Ennis, man. Cause sweet Lord, he can write something nasty. Um, but like, you know, the, the boys show is definitely better than the comic book, depending on your taste. But I think it sells the characters better than the, mm-hmm. than the comic book does. Because the comic book is 100% just taking a huge shit on Marvel and DC. And that's what it's doing. And it's taking it from the comic book perspective. Right. So like you have this character of the legend who's like this supposed to be like a Stan Lee type of figure, Bob Kane type of figure, who wrote comic books involving all of these heroes like Homelander and stuff like that. And in the boys, it's taking like the movie approach. So like uh, season three kicked off with like the premiere of Dawn of the seven, which is a total rip off of Batman, Superman, Dawn of justice, right? That whole thing, (laughs) you know, it was like released the so-and-so cut. Mm -hmm. It just, it's a hundred percent taking pot shots at the movies. Yeah. And, and, and other and, pop culture things as and well, other which... pop cultural things and stuff like that. Um, and I think it sells that better than the boys does on the comics and stuff like that, because it also recognizes that it's still a comic book and that it's still a superhero comic book, whether it likes it or not. This is a show that is taking pot shots at that. It's, it recognizes what it is, but it's more so less of a superhero show and more so about these people and their lives dealing with the collateral from these so-called heroes. Right. Um, so I would have to give it to invincible because the comic book is infinitely enjoyable as is the show. Mm-hmm. And they're also doing pretty much like an adaptation versus this is versus the boys is taking 
its source material and using similar characters, but then like focusing on a different aspect that's more nuanced and um, pertaining more to today and what people care about and look forward to today and turning that on its ear and moving forward. Mm-hmm. So it's taking a different approach. So I would have to say invincible. Yeah, I will say, you know, the very first thing you said, it, it is apples and oranges. It's to- like there's different amounts of content that's out there. It's done in an entirely different format. Mm-hmm. I will say Invincible is a show that I enjoy so much that I have mm-hmm. rewatched that multiple, multiple times. And I'm just eagerly awaiting when they do a, a second season because I know. Just- it it feels like I and I love the boys as well, but I just felt like mm-hmm. I connected a lot more with those characters specifically, um, than you know the the gruesomeness and um and in some of those things. So, um, the, the last great. thing, yeah, yeah correct. Yeah. The the last thing that I will say, mm-hmm. um, uh, on that is that like Invincible is not necessarily uh subverting your expectations for a a superhero comic book or show in the sense that it's, that it's, you know, uh, Oh God, what's the phrase, you know, taking something and then just totally like turning it on its axis and then being like, you know, it's total, like, like it's mocking the genre, you know, like a lot of other, you know, off to the side hero books can be. Uh, independent right. hero books but what's brilliant about about invincible and another comic book that i'm taking with me on on tour called astro city um from from the the mid 90s is that it's it's paying homage to the great parts of these characters and then showing you how heartbreaking it is when these characters that you love so much are not who they claim to be instead of being like oh they these characters are like heroes but they're literally just assholes like that's the boys (laughs) they're the worst people imaginable this is like this is somebody who's going around and saving people but he just didn't really mention the fact that well i'm also kind of trying to scout this planet and see if it's going to work for my empire but then he learns a lesson you know he learns a lesson and that and it follows you know mark and mark is a beacon and he, but he's trying to, he's trying to be a beacon, but he doesn't quite know because he's still learning. And he's, he's both Superman and Spider-Man in the same character. Uh, and I know that like when I write superhero comic books, I want to write something that invokes invincible because it's, it's about purpose and it's about like, you know, doing something that's right because I love this genre of storytelling i love this genre of media you know what i mean so that's why i also have to give it to invincible because it's paying homage to everything that's come before it in different ways versus Mm -hmm. saying like hey screw everything that has come before this because (laughs) i have a huge problem with it it's no it's like hey i've loved this since i was a kid i'm just going to pay my respects in my own way and that's how i feel invincible is and that's what I want to do as well. So, yeah, no, I think that's beautifully said. Um, Jay, this has been such a fun chat hanging out with mm-hmm. you. Uh, we have time for a quick mosh related story. If you would like to end the episode off that way, it could be anything that's first to your head. 
could be something that happened to you, something that happened to a show that you were playing or just attending at. Whatever's first to your dome is how we start to end the the podcast here. Yeah, um, a couple. Um, there's one time where like I caught like a rogue fist to my mouth and lost a tooth. Um, Damn. But it's well, canine right there. That one's fake. Oh, I was like, um, I was like, I, I thought you were gonna say, oh, it came back. It's all good. But it's like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, we don't. Dude, we, it, it was. It's not like cutting I hair. Just, I had just had dental work done, so like it wasn't as horrific as as just losing just a straight up tooth. Um, but like it was like a crown with like part of the remaining piece of the tooth in there. Oh no! So I picked it back up. I washed it off in the bathroom, and then like. Uh, a friend of mine had some gum that happened to be sugar free. So I was like, okay, thanks. So I like <laughs> chewed that until like it had lost its flavor. And I took right. a little piece of it and I like puttied it and just put it back. <laughs> so that way I could did. get home so I could go home and then like I had to tell my parents and then they took me to the, uh, to like the dental office, uh, the orthodontist, like the next day to look, cause I had oh an appointment gosh. for two days later, yeah. but we were able to move it up a day because it had come out and he's like, well, I was do it now before the thing closes up, you know? <laughs> so that's wild. Uh, so there, there, there was that. And then I've also been clocked in the top of the head, uh, during, um, Queensway during Queensway. I've gotten clocked in the top of the head by a one Brody King and it hurt really bad. So um, you were, he was, he was moshing the and by. then just one giant like boulder of a fist came and just bonk like that. Uh, just, you were his whack-a-mole essentially a little bit. Yeah. And I, and I was like, yo, that was dope. And then, cause I was like, all right, cool. I'm we're, we're in this now. Uh, but the next day I had a fat knot in the middle of my head and it oh, hurt God. so bad. Uh, luckily, <laughs> At like, least it was know, Brody King to do that. And not it was just fine. You couldn't really tell, yeah. but if I put my hand there, it was like, it was like, I had like a knuckle in my head and it sucked. Oh um, but I haven't like, you know, broken my neck or anything. I've dislocated my shoulders sometimes a couple times, but nothing too serious. Otherwise, <laughs> again, yeah, I'm not a hard man. <laughs> not a hard yeah. man, man. I goose egg easy. Um, yeah. so, uh, for anyone who's made it this far, thank you. Uh, take it to heart to go in on tour with broken vow, uh, for a long ass time, uh, all yeah. the details, <laughs> uh, for that, as well as all of Jay's stuff will be in the YouTube description and in the show notes. But Jay, if there's anything that you want to plug, anything you want to shout out or anything you want to send the people off with before we wrap up. The floor uh, is yours. yeah. Um, a couple things, um, you know, one being, uh, our new record hymns for the hopeless is going to be out on August 12th, um, on all streaming platforms. Um, there will be a, uh, 12 inch pre-order that goes up with that in, uh, three different colorways and, um, uh, including a, uh, uh, Rev HQ gold variant, um, that, that I believe will be up around that time. So you can pre-order that and some merchandise that'll be through uh, safe inside records. Um, so you'll be able to pre-order that through there at that time. Um, it's also the same day that we're playing here in orange County at program uh, with, uh, with broken vow, major pain and abstain um, on that day. We're going to be playing the record front to back. So if you are in orange County or LA or, anywhere in Southern California and you can make it out to the show, come to that. Um, tour starts in on August 3rd in Philadelphia. 
So any Philly heads out there that want to come out and check out a fun show, come to that. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Ben, Max, Eric, and Pat, and Danny. Um, you guys are the best, and thank you for letting me uh, work out a lot of my own inner turmoil and the lyrics that we to the songs that you guys write beautifully. Um, and uh, thank you to Mackenzie, my partner. Uh, you are lovely. I love you very much. And uh, you're going to be a fantastic teacher. I'm very proud of you. Um, thank you for allowing me to uh, go uh, yell in people's faces for a month. That's very kind. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And my my folks, shout out mom and dad. You guys put me on the path in, in the first place. Shout out mom um, and dad. No dude, one's yeah, shouting honestly, out their parents. <laughs> dude, shout out mom that, and dad. I, everyone Barry, needs to shout Barry out their and parents. Yvonne, Barry and Yvonne, y'all are, y'all are dope. Uh, y'all, y'all are, y'all are fantastic. There's been a lot of highs and lows in our life, but, um, you know, it's because of you guys that you, that, you know, I am who I am today and I do what I do today. So thank you to the both of you. I know you're going to be listening to this because you love me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, super wholesome. Uh, Jay, it's again, it's been a pleasure. Um, I very much looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing you for sure at, at, like, you know, um, yes. and hopefully more times throughout the, this year and the years to come. Um, yes, big fan definitely. of you, big fan of the band. And thanks again for coming on the podcast. Absolutely, dude. As a listener of the podcast, I'm really happy that I get to be here. Um, as a friend of yours, I'm glad to be here. Um, you know, I look forward to, uh, to other discussions that we may get to have in the future. Absolutely. I'll let you know how my watch of uh, Batman Beyond goes and we'll swap. Yes. Honestly. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, please. Yes, sir.